Remember the uh, story of Jesus with the woman at the well. Jesus said, I can give you a drink of water, and if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And 37 years ago, I took a drink of that water, and I've never spiritually been thirsty again because Jesus is sufficient. He's all you need. And I hope that you can say this morning with that song that he touched your life and you know him as your Savior. If you do not know him, today would be the day of your salvation, be the greatest day of your life to put your faith in the Lord. We're so glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And of course, this is one of the five books known as the Pentateuch. And if you're there in Deuteronomy 8, if you want to stand this morning out of respect for the Word of God, Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to continue our series that we began last week on Remember. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if maybe you employed the string around the finger that we talked about last week, or maybe you're just like me, you use those post-it sticky notes everywhere. But you know, we are, we are people that oftentimes forget things. Now, one thing I've always been glad, and I don't know if you're like me, I've always been glad when somebody else makes the mistake and I can learn from their mistakes. Anybody else like that? It's always better for somebody else to do it. But the Bible says that the things that happened in the Bible to those in the Old Testament are an example to us that we can learn from them. Are you with me? Because this morning, the passage deals with the nation of Israel, and it's, they're, they're the primary target of the, the entire passage this morning. But I want you to take what happened in their life, what God did, and I want you in your mind and heart to be thinking about us today here in the United States of America. And the Bible says, if you have your Bible there in Deuteronomy 8, verse 1, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Notice how many commandments? All. God says, I want you to do every last one of them. He says, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. So if you want to live, if you want to multiply, if you want to possess what God has for you, you need to do all that God's commanded you to do. The Bible says in verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. How much of the way? All the way. Not some of the way, part of the way, all the way that the Lord led thee. Now, you remember the story of the nation of Israel. They wandered in the wilderness for how many years? Forty. That's a long time. Wandering around. Now, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Notice, why did God do that? To humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. See, a lot of times we say we're a Christian, but we don't do what Christians should do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for your precious word. Bless and use it in our lives. Lord, we are forgetful people, and you know this. And we tend to gloss over the fact that we forget many things, but the one thing that may we never forget is you. Lord, we love you. 
And may we prove that love to you by doing what you ask of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Years ago, one of the presidents, matter of fact, the 28th president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, said this about America. He said, a nation which does not remember what it was yesterday, does not know what it is today, nor what it will be tomorrow. America seems to have forgotten what we were yesterday. We have forgotten and failed to remember the blessings of the Lord. I'm amazed, and I hope you are too, that God wants me, God wants you to remember Him to remember him. He was saying here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 to the children of Israel, look, when you enter into that land, that promised land that I told you that I was going to give you, that I've given to you, when you enter that land, I want you to remember me. When you get there, I want you to not forget who it was that brought you into that land, who it is that has blessed you. I see this many times when it comes to sports, and you see uh, these, these sports figures that might start out in the minor leagues, and they scratch and claw their way to get up to the next level, to get up to the next level to what they call the big show. They want to get to the big leagues, and oftentimes they get there and they forget everyone that helped them to get to that place. I love it whenever you see a, a, a player that may be making millions of dollars that, that before the game starts, instead of ignoring the fans that cheered them on, that got them to that place, I see them over there with a marker with baseballs and boys and girls crowding around them signing autographs. They've remembered who it was that helped them to get to that place. See, God was saying to Israel, that listen, you have forgotten me. God says, and because you have, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to remind you that I am the one that has blessed you. He forewarned them. And listen, for 40 years, they wandered around. And God says, now that you're going into that land, I just want to know, will you remember me? Will you remember that it was by my hand that you have been blessed? You know, it's no different in our day as Christians, as Americans. Jesus himself came, think about this, he left the splendors of heaven. Jesus came to this earth, he lived among men, he lived a perfect sinless life. And then the Bible says that he gave his life so that we could have eternal life. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Before Jesus went back to be the, with the Father, before he went to the cross, Jesus spent an intimate time with his disciples. This group of individuals had been with him for almost three, three and a half years, and he had told them many things. One of the things that he had told them on a couple occasions was about his sacrifice, that he was going to give his life, that three days later that he would rise from the dead. So he gathered them around, and they had a meal together. It's oftentimes referred to as the Last Supper. 
Jesus at that time, notice the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Of me. Now, listen, not because it's our church, not because it's a Baptist thing, but it's a Bible thing that we find Jesus established in the Word of God with the church what are known as two ordinances. Now, the word ordinance simply means to remember, it's a reminder. It's not like what many religions of the world today have what they call sacraments. See, an ordinance, it does nothing more than to help us to remember the Lord, to remember His sacrifice. Uh, it, you know, when we, when we have the Lord's table, uh, there is no saving value in the Lord's table. We have the juice and we have the bread, and as we partake of those, we are not partaking of the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. What we are doing symbolically is we're remembering his broken body. We're remembering his shed blood. Are you with me this morning? Now, as we do that, Jesus said, do this as oft as ye will in remembrance of me. Now, why would Jesus do that? You know why? Because he was through Paul, as Paul was writing under the inspiration helping Paul to help us to know that the cross that he would go to would, would soon be a faded memory. It would soon be forgotten. So the Lord knew that there would have to be something that would constantly remind us. By the way, the other ordinance, which is baptism. By the way, Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. That baptism, too, is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So both of those ordinances help us to remember what the Lord has done for us. And when we do that, we're reminded of His great sacrifice. The whole reason that God gave us those ordinances is because He knew that we have a tendency to forget things. I'm, I'm not going to ask you, but I guarantee if you're like me, you need reminders. You know, there are a few things that smartphones are good for. And one of them is that, to get reminders of things that we need to make sure that we don't forget. See, throughout God's Word, God instructs us of one thing, and here it is. I want you to remember me. I don't ever want you to forget me. Now, we would think to ourselves, well, I would never forget God. But when we look at America today, and we look at Israel back in the days after the wandering, I see great forgetfulness. So today, we're going to remember God's blessings. We're going to remember the foundational principles that were used to bring our land into this great land that it is today. America has her problems, but we were founded upon biblical principles, and as Americans and as Christians, 
May we never forget the things that God says I want you to remember. So this morning, I want you to see that to Israel and to us today, God wants us to remember the principles of the Lord. To remember the principles of the Lord. See, in the world today, there are two kinds of Christians. Listen to me this morning, and you'll find yourself in one of these categories. You are either a Christian that's being led by your feelings, or you are a Christian that are being led by the principles of the Word of God. See, somebody that is a principled Christian is one that is living their life adhering to the Word of God. One of the things that the Bible instructs is that we as God's people would not remove the ancient landmarks. One of the things that we'll look at tonight, and I hope you can join us for our 6 o'clock service tonight, is, is we're, we're, our series on Sunday night is Stand for the Truth. Tonight, we're, I'm going to preach a message with the Lord's help on Stand for the Fundamentals. Fundamentals are important. Matter of fact, that's what the message this morning, in a sense, is about, is the fundamentals of the faith. And one of those is that God says we should never remove what God has established, the principles that God has given. And just by your presence here today shows God that you have a desire to live your life by the principles of His Word. Now, what God gives to us in His Word is God gives us biblical boundaries and those boundaries are not bad things they're good things they're help us to help us to guide us as we live the Christian life see a lot of times we think about boundaries and we think well I like to be my own person I don't like to be hemmed in I want to be able to do whatever I want I want my freedom I want my space listen the Bible says that we have liberty in Christ but if God has given us his word then clearly from the pages of the Word of God, God has established some guidelines, some principles that help us. I don't know about you, but I want to know, God, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to behave in this world? Well, that is not going to happen when we notice, first of all, that God's commandments were being disregarded. Look in your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 11, notice the very first word, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. See, we'll forget God when we no longer keep his commandments. Many Christians say, well, I am a Christian. Well, let me ask you this. Are your actions dictating that you are a Christian? Because it's one thing to say that you're a Christian, but it's totally different to do what a Christian ought to do. See, to many people, America is a Christian nation in name only. You know, it's on our money. It's on our currency. When we look here in the Bible, Moses is the one that God used to pen the words to the first five books of the, of the Bible, the Old Testament. And here we find Moses is making a reference to what is known as the Ten Commandments that are given in the Bible in Exodus chapter number 20. Now, a lot of times people make a big deal, and they should, out of those Ten Commandments. But I don't know if you've ever studied the Word of God enough to find out 
that there are more than 10 commandments in the Mosaic Law. As a matter of fact, there are 614 commandments that are given in the Mosaic Law. And the New Testament says if you've offended one point of the law, you've offended the whole law. So Moses is making a reference to the Ten Commandments, the Word of God. And God is saying through him, I want you to keep my commandments. See, that's what Christians do. They do what God tells them to do, what God wants them to do. And by the way, God has every right to tell us because we've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is the Lord's. Can I get an amen? Now, notice what James Madison, who many believe was the major architect for the United States Constitution in our country, in our land. Notice what he says in the early days. He says this, we have staked the whole fortune, uh, the whole future of our new nation, not upon the power of government, but upon the capacity of each of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. That's why I think that a Christian should be appalled when people in our land, a Christian nation, are removing the Ten Commandments and removing anything that speaks of our God and the establishment of our nation upon Christian principles. They're taking the commandments out of the courthouses and out of the public schools. Hey, look at the mess that our schools are in. Ever since back in the 60s, they took Bible and prayer out of the schools. I think all of us can see the effects of that. God is telling Israel, and listen, God is telling America, because God has given us, us this land that we have, God was saying to them and to us, when you come into this place of blessing, don't forget my commandments. Don't forget what is right, and don't forget what is wrong. Notice this principle is even carried over into the New Testament. Jesus said in John 10, in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In other words, they hear what I'm saying to them, and because they're my sheep, they do what I ask them to do. See, if you're born again today, then guess what? You have the privilege for God to be able to speak to you. Now, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I'll tell you this, when I open up the pages of the sacred scriptures, God speaks to me through his word. And when I hear him speak, notice again what Jesus said, my sheep, those that know me, they hear me. And this morning, God is saying, if you are one of my sheep, do you hear what I'm saying to you? And here's what he says in John 14, 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. That's not me saying that. That's not our church saying that. God says, you say you love me. Israel said they loved him, but yet their actions were speaking otherwise. God says, if you love me, there's a way to show it. See, it's one thing to say you're a Christian. It's another to live like one, to do what God has asked you to do. And I look at America today, and clearly, just like Israel, America is disregarding God's words. We see this in the disregarding of human life called abortion. This is something that's plaguing our nation. 
plaguing the world that we live in. You say, Pastor, why do you make a big deal out of it? Well, notice what the Bible says in Exodus 20 and verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. Jeremiah, as he wrote, notice what God said through him. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Listen, long before... Jeremiah wrote that, and long before a child is born, while that baby is in the womb, that baby is alive, that baby is a life that God has given, and God says, look, I have a purpose, I have a plan for every life. I think a little Nathan here this morning, long before Becky and Kenny knew that they were, God was going to give them that little boy, long before our church began to pray, God says, listen, I have a little boy, I have a purpose for his life. Listen, only God knows what his purpose is, but I'll tell you this, when I look at how God looks at the pre-born child. He looks at every child as a living soul. And America today has disregarded life. You know what you call that? You call that barbaric is what you call that. Years ago, I, I, I saw this and I never forgot it. It's actually a true account. It's not a story. But there was a professor in a medical school here in the States and he was challenging his students, his medical students, with a situation. And he said, I want to give you a scenario, and then I want you to get together in groups. I want you to discuss it and give me an answer. So he says, here it is. He says, I'm going to give you, I won't name the family. He says, but the family's history, he says that there was a husband and a wife, and they had four children, and the father had syphilis. The mother had TB. The first child that God gave them was born blind. The second child that they had died. The third child was born deaf. And the fourth child had TB. She's now pregnant with her fifth child. What would your advice medically be to this father and mother that have these four children, that have their own history of medical issues, and she's carrying her unborn baby. They got together in their groups. They began to discuss it. They, they, they got out of their groups, and they, as, as one, united. They said to the professor, the spokesman said, well, we would say to the parents that we would advise them to get an abortion. And the professor looked over the crowd, and he says, well, congratulations. You just took the life of Beethoven. That's a true story. See, we have no idea. But I'll tell you this, according to the Bible, it's not up to man to take a life. That is God's business. It's not our business. God is the giver of life. God is the taker of life. Job said it this way in Job 1.21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look, I get it. Some people don't like it when you talk about abortion and they say, Pastor, you really shouldn't be talking about it. Well, really? Because it's in the Word of God. And it's one of the principles that God has established that God is the one that gives us life, that He breathed into man and man became a living soul. See, they want to make it a political thing and they want to make it something that the legislation can do this and do this. Hey, listen, I look at it the way God looks at it and that's murder is what it is. 
see, is we ought to be appalled. The Bible says, God forbid, yet God be true, but every man a liar. The way I look at it is we ought to declare what God says, whether it's politically correct or not. You know, the truth is, is that we need to preach the whole counsel of God. I don't hate anyone. I'll tell you what, God hates when we are murdering lives, taking the life. Oh, listen, can you imagine if the mother of Nathan would have chosen to do that? Kenny and Becky still would have been without a child. It's an amazing thing. So many people today, and it's unnatural, don't want children, don't want the children that God gives to them. Hey, I'll tell you what, there's more couples like Kenny and Becky that would love a child. So when we look at this, there are so many today that have disregarded the commandments of God. They're not remembering the principles of God, not only the commandments, but notice also that God's statutes are being disregarded. Look back in verse number 11 again. He says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee. These commandments, as they're said, these judgments, these statutes, they are all interwoven in the Word of God. The statutes that are mentioned here are basic guidelines that God has given to govern families. God has given us, for instance, when you look at the Bible, and, and again, I understand society today is trying to restructure and rewrite the home. Last time I checked, we find, and I get it sometimes in situations, things happen, but we find in the Bible that there is a father, there is a mother, and there are children. But society today wants to change that. These statutes that he's mentioning here that were being disregarded in Israel's day, that are being disregarded in America today, were something that God designed to be taught primarily in the home. Now listen to me today. Whether you're a parent with children, maybe you're like us and you have grandchildren, we have abdicated our God-given privilege and right to raise our children for the Lord. We've, we've dished it off to the schools. We want everyone else, and then look, then we want to blame them for how our children turn out. Look in the mirror. Now take your Bible, if you're there in Deuteronomy 8, go back over a couple of pages to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want you to see these statutes that God wants to be taught in the home. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Beginning in verse number 3, everybody look at these words. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, notice moms and dads, shall be where? In your heart. Watch this. You can't teach something to your kids that's not in your heart. If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe the statutes and the principles of the Word of God, you certainly can't teach them to your children. Now watch this. Look at verse 7. And... If it's in your heart, thou shalt teach them diligently. <laughs> Study that word sometime. That's not just kind of 
messing around, you know, just kind of little here, little there, diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In other words, everything you're doing, everywhere you go in your house, listen, that ought to be something that is done in your home on a regular basis. Because if you don't teach your kids the commandments and the statutes of God, this world's not going to. Notice the next verse, verse number 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. God's saying here, look, I want my word to be taught in your house. I want your kids, listen, as as you open the scriptures, guess what? You're going to be teaching them about God. You're going to be teaching them about the things of God. God wants his children to to know His Word, listen to me, generationally. See, some of you that are older, you grew up in a home like that. I am, and some of you might be like I am, I'm a first-generation Christian. And what that means is, I didn't come from a long line of Baptists. I didn't come from a long line of saved people. I'm the only person in my family that came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by His providence I take that very seriously, but watch this. Even though I don't have a long line or a heritage, a Christian heritage, you know what? When God saved me, here's what I realized. I might not have that, but I'm going to start one right here and right now with me. My kids and my kids' kids under the third and fourth generations, listen, I'm going to do what God has given me to do, and that is to instruct them in His statutes and His commandments. If you are a first-generation Christian, listen, you too need to teach God's words generationally so that your kids know God the way you know God. It's like a little boy. They asked this little boy one time if he believed in God, and the little boy says, well, I guess I do. And they asked the little boy, well, why do you believe in God? And the little boy's answer was, well, I guess it just runs in my family. Does it run in your family? Does your family believe God? Does your family believe in God? I hope that your family is making major decisions and even maybe minor decisions that are based on biblical principles. How about this? Maybe maybe uh, you had a discussion with your children about purity. How about finances? How about the will of God? I could go on and on. Things that you as a family... As a mom and dad should be teaching to your children. And by the way, remember, it's in your heart. God has given it to you to share with them. And so today we see so many of God's statutes being twisted and perverted. One of those I mentioned earlier is the home. But the Bible says, notice in Ephesians 5.31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. But society today is trying to redefine that. It's no longer a man and a woman. And even even today, religions and denominations and churches are denying the very words of God. They're giving in to culture. 
They're denying the statutes of God. And yet the Bible says in Proverbs 14, righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach, look at this, to any people. America, I really believe, was once a great nation. And the reason I say it that way is because I believe that our sin has weakened us. Because we no longer are remembering the principles of the Lord. We're disregarding His commandments. We're disregarding His statutes. God says, look, when you go into that land, will you remember me? Will you remember my principles? How about this? Will you remember my power? See, we need to remember the power of the Lord. Look, America is a great nation, but we're not great because we have a military might. You look at Israel in the Bible, what do you find? Israel was a great nation. Well, why was Israel great? Well, Israel was great because of their God. And America is great because of our God. I want you to think about that as you look here in chapter 8 and verse number 12, where we see that we are blessed by His power. Verse 12, the Bible says, Lest when thou hast eaten and are full. Notice that, that's America. Eaten and are full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, boy, does that sound like America or what? Look at verse 13, uh, 14. Notice the first word, then, after being so mightily blessed, then thine heart is lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who brought forth water out of the flint of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. Notice God doesn't tempt us for evil. God is always working for our good, the Bible says there. Hey, listen, try that sometime. See if you can get water out of a rock. Nobody can do that but God. God sent manna. They looked at it and said, what is it exactly? It was provision from God. See, here's what we find is the blessing by God's power. Listen to me. Look at verse 17. He says, and thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. That's dangerous. Here's what happens. I see it all the time. Pastor, would you, would you pray that, 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 that I would get a new job? Pastor, would you pray that, that, that God would give us this child? Pastor, would you pray that, that this, this, whatever it might be? People ask all, all the time. They, they pray. They, they ask God to bless. And then watch this. Here's what happened. God blesses. And just like Israel, just like America, we no longer have need of God because God has blessed. See, again, what's happened is we forgot. 
We forgot the good hand of God. We forgot how God has blessed. James said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Exodus 13, 3, Moses said unto the people, remember this day in which that ye came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what? Benefits. Hey, look, I hope you have a good job. I hope your employer takes care of you. I hope you have a nice severance package or 401k, but I'm going to tell you something. No employer could ever give you the benefits and the package that God has given to us. Listen, I think about all the Lord has done for me and what he's done for our nation. We are blessed by his, not our power, by his power. And notice that as we are blessed, notice why we are blessed. We are blessed for his purpose. Now, again, the initial target here to this point is the nation of Israel. But I want you to see the analogy that is here with Israel. See, long before Israel left Egypt, remember they were, they were slaves in Egypt's land. But long before they left Egypt's land, God had made a promise to one of their forefathers by the name of Abraham that God would raise a great nation and that God would bless not only that nation, but God would bless all nations through that nation. Remember that? And guess what? America, we've been the benefactor of that. We have been blessed because God's promise to Abram was through the line of David that Jesus Christ would be born. Look at verse number 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his, here it is, his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. We may not always understand, and certainly there are many times I don't understand why it is that God is doing things, but I know this, I've learned not to question God. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. But I see here how that we need to understand that God is always working for a purpose, and God's purpose in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 is that Israel would be blessed, and that's what God wanted them to understand. If you go back with me in your notes, and even back in the Bible, the Genesis 12, all the way back where God made this promise, notice what it says in, De in Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I, notice I, God, will make of thee a great nation, and I, God, will bless thee, and I, God, will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them, get this now, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Notice, not just the nation of Israel, but all, fa all families of the earth shall be blessed. God's purpose for the nation of Israel was attached to his plan for them. And so one reason God has blessed America is because America has been a friend to Israel. Notice what Netanyahu said a while back. Even if Israel has to stand alone, Israel will stand. But I know that Israel does not stand alone because I know that America stands with Israel. And the day that America and the government that leads our nation says, 
No longer are we going to be a friend to Israel is the day God's going to remove his blessings from us and God's going to begin to curse us. Not because I said it, but God says, I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. See, here we are. We have forgotten the principles of the Lord. We have forgotten the power of the Lord. Notice he says, but I want you also to remember the promises that I've made to you too. Now, if you have your Bible there, I want you to see two promises. It's the last two verses of Genesis 8. Look at the first one in verse number 19. God says, and it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God. Notice, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Everybody see that? So his first promise that he makes to them is to the disobedient. And again, here's what he says to them. If you turn your back on me, you're going to perish. That's it. Now, people say, well, that sounds awful mean of God. God's nature, listen to me, God's nature was not to turn his back on them. God's nature was not to let them suffer. God's nature is not to have bad things happen or even that they would perish. The Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But here's what I find is, is that God's desire for them, listen to me, God's desire for them was that they would worship and serve him alone, no one else. Look at the Bible says in Exodus 20 in your notes, God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any, uh, unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Look, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers under the, upon the children under the third and fourth generations of them that, look at the word, hate me. Now it says here, God is a jealous God. You know what that means? God's passionately in love with his people. Hold your place here. Turn back over to Deuteronomy chapter number seven. Deuteronomy chapter number seven. Who the Bible says here, beginning in verse number 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art in holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would... Keep the oath that he had sworn unto your fathers, saith the Lord, uh, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and that keep his commandments to a thousand generations. In other words, 
What is the Bible saying there? What is God saying to Israel? What is God saying to us in America today? God is saying, look, I passionately love you. I am jealous over my relationship with you. I do not want you to be destroyed by your idolatry. I don't want you to have other gods in your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, look at this. God said to Israel, all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Listen, every day we turn our backs on God. We continue in our sin, doing what we want. We live in a day where so many religions are turning away from God. And God's promise to the disobedient is, ye shall surely perish. What do we do in America? Here's what we do day in and day out. We flaunt our sin in the face of an almighty God. And we expect God to bless us. God doesn't want to be one of the gods. He wants to be the one and only. You see, his first promise was to the disobedient. But his second promise is to the obedient. Look at verse 20. Deuteronomy 8.20 As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face... So shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. The Bible says, and I think you know the verse in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Notice the Bible says, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and then will I forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Listen, what is God saying there? What is God saying to those that would obey Him? God says, I will always restore the repentant one, the one that turns from their sin. He will always bring us back to Himself when we humble ourselves. Notice that a lot of times people say, well, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've been and the things that I've been a part of. I'm going to tell you this morning that if you're saved and you repent of your sin, God will forgive you. He will receive you unto Himself. And like that prodigal, listen, He will welcome you back home to Him. Joel said it this way, and it shall come to pass, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Most of us know Romans 10, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our reports, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus said himself, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Listen, come home is what God is saying. He was saying to Israel that day, through his spokesman, you have forgotten. When you go into this land, will you remember me? Here we are in America today. Not only are we blessed to be an American, but we're blessed to be a Christian. God says, I haven't forgotten you. Why have you forgotten me? Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 136 about our great God who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. Would you bow your heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed?
There's no way around it this morning. Have you forgotten the principles of the Word of God? Have you forgotten the power of the Lord? Have you forgotten the promises? You see, who are we to contend with God? We're blessed, aren't we? And you have to admit your heart and your life, God has been good all the time. But our human nature is we forget. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The piano's already begun to play. We call this a time of invitation. God is saying, why don't you come? Come spend some time with me. Did you come to church this morning to meet with God? Well, he's met with you by his word, and he's waiting this morning. He's waiting for that one that would say, Lord, I repent. God, forgive me for not remembering you the way I should. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Maybe ask a friend or maybe your spouse. If you're visiting today, you're welcome to come. Spend some time with the Lord this morning. If you need to be saved, why don't you come today and we'll have somebody take the Bible, God's Word, and show you how you can know for sure that heaven will be your home. We'd love to do that this morning. Would you allow us? Whatever it is this morning, what is it that you have forgotten? Have you forgotten God? You might say, well, Pastor, I would never do that. Well, have you remembered his principles? Have you remembered his power? God's the one that gives you health, life. He's the one that blesses. Many have come. Why don't you come? There's still time. As Brother Kenny sings.